This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. It's been a few weeks since we've done one of these. I uh, had some stuff going on personally, uh, nothing too crazy, but uh, just busy with other stuff and, and we weren't able to get a time schedule to do this. So happy to be back doing the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We're going to dive into the football team, which will start spring practice next week. We're going to take a look at both sides of the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, and then in the kind of the second half, the, the latter part of the show, we'll talk about this Buckeye basketball team a little bit and kind of the resurgence here at the end of the season, one, two games in a row. But let's get into football, as I know that's why many of you tune into these shows. And to talk with me today is none other than Bucknuts' own Dave Biddle and a friend. Dave, who you got there for the happy hour? Got my, uh, my buddy Scooby is here. Uh, we also have Anna down here. Anna, you're allowed to come up too, but Scooby's the one on my lap because he, he was so persistent. I had to let him up here. All right. Well, if you're not uh, if you're not watching this live, Dave has a cute little dog sitting on his lap. That uh, we'll see what the dog thinks about the Buckeyes' offensive and defensive line, huh? Um, Dave, when I talked to you about doing some kind of position breakdown today, the first thing you said was offensive line. I guess just to keep it simple, why did you think that was the most important thing to talk about here early on? Well, I mean, quarterback is the obvious one, but, you know, I, I just feel like offensive line, I mean, they have to replace not only three starters, but, you know, three guys that are going to go within the first three rounds of the NFL draft as I let Scooby down here. 
right, don't don't go attack Anna too much. Um, so I mean, you're looking at so Paris Johnson Jr. is going to be a first round pick. Dewan Jones is getting some first round buzz. I think he's more of a second round pick, but he won't be any worse than a second round pick. And I won't be surprised if he's a late first rounder. And then Luke Whipler, I think a lot of people raised their eyebrows, myself included, um, when he left early. But um, everybody's doing like a three round mock draft has has him going, you know, at least in the third round. So you're losing three quality guys. And who's going to replace those? It's not like they've like recruited like crazy. It's not like at wide receiver where like, you know, okay, you lose Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson to the draft first round picks. And then you lose Jackson Smith and Jigba, but it almost doesn't like hurt the team that much because you have Marvin Harrison and you have Emeka Buka. It's not like that on the offensive line. They haven't recruited terribly, but they haven't recruited great. You know, so who's going to fill in for Paris Johnson Jr. at left tackle? I think it's going to be Josh Fryer. Uh, but how's he going to do? You know, I thought he was really good as like a right guard. Uh, also wrapped at right tackle last year was also the jumbo tackle, as we all know, uh, kind of the similar role that uh, Donovan Jackson served the previous year. Uh, so who's going to fill in for Paris Johnson? That's huge. Who's going to be the right tackle? Is it going to be Zen Mahalski? Uh, could it be Tegra Shabola? I think it's going to be one of those two, Zen Mahalski or Tegra Shabola. I think that's going to be a nice battle in spring at right tackle. And then center to me is going to be a very interesting battle. Um, you know, is it going to be redshirt freshman Carson Hensman? Or is it going to be the transfer from Louisiana Monroe, Vic Cutler, who also can play other spots, including left tackle? But I think they're going to keep him as an interior guy. I know you've talked with him. You can speak more about that, Patrick. But uh, so, yeah, that's why that was the first thing out of my mind. I mean, obviously, quarterback is what we're, you know, that's, you know, the kind of the most interesting thing. But I don't think Ryan Day is really going to like tell us, even though I bet he knows right now. I don't think Ryan Day is going to tell us too much uh, during spring or even after spring. Why would he? But uh, the offensive line, um, I don't know if it's a concern, but it's it's definitely uh, piqued my interest. I'll say that. Certainly. I I mean, look, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is if they don't get an offensive line figured out. Right. Like they that's going to be, uh, you know, one B, I think, to the quarterback battle at one A. And I know it's not as sexy of a position, but if, if they don't have a center and two tackles that are ready to compete at a Big Ten level out of the gates, then uh, you're going to have, you're going to have some issues. This team walks right into big 10 play with playing at Indiana to start 2023. So certainly an issue you you mentioned center. And I was, I thought it was interesting that Ryan day pretty much said the Buckeyes were surprised Luke Whipler left. And you know, you said there are projections with him as a, you know, top three round, guy so you know to your starter I get it but going back and looking at some of Luke Whipler's tape I mean I wouldn't say he was dominant would you do, do you think that this was the right decision for him uh, well if he goes in the third round I think it, it is and it sounds like he he will probably go in the third round um it's tough to say like when I first saw that news I was just like man I hope this is not one of those situations like where it's a kid you know had a great game against Georgia it's a great defensive line um, maybe was he getting some bad advice, but now you have all these experts coming out and we'll see. Um, and I think his film actually was pretty good this past season. I really do. And I thought he was good as a redshirt freshman too. It just took me off guard because I've seen a lot of good. I know you have too. We've seen a lot of, I shouldn't even say good. We've seen a lot of great centers come through Ohio state. He's the first one that's left after three years. I'll go back to, and there's more that we could pick from, but I'll, I'll start with LaCharles Bentley. Okay. Uh, he didn't leave after three years. He stayed at least four, maybe five. I think I think four. Uh, Nick Mangold was another one. Um, you know, 
Uh, Alex Toponovich was, even though he wasn't like a high pick, I think Alex Toponovich was still like a third round pick or something. You know, he didn't leave after three years. He was a fourth, fourth year guy. Nick Mangold, first round pick, fourth year guy. Billy Price, fifth year guy, first round pick. Pat Elfline, fifth year guy, third round pick. Um, Josh Myers, fourth year guy, second round pick. So it's like, he's the first one to do it. Now, I like Luke Whipler a lot. I think he, he's going to do well. Did he make a mistake? I'll say no, because I think he's going to be a third-round pick, and that's still good money. And then if he plays well, where he's really going to cash in is um, is that second contract. And, you know, was was he going to work himself into a first-round pick? Perhaps. I mean, he has similar me- measurables to Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, who was a first-round pick in his past yeah. year's So you could make the argument that if he came back, he could have worked himself into a first-round pick. But if he's a third-round pick, that's still good money. And then he's only four years away from that second contract if he plays well. Just ask Corey. Oh, I left out Corey Lindsley. Yeah. Fifth round pick who's making more money than any of those guys that I just mentioned. Um, I know he wasn't an early round pick. Corey Lindsley, five years at Ohio State. So, I mean, it, Luke Whipler is kind of, you know, breaking the glass there. We'll see if uh, we'll see how it works. Well, I think it's always interesting when we discuss guys leaving before their eligibility is up. I mean, some guys it's a no brainer, right? But other guys, like you said, could he have come back and helped himself? Quite possibly when we're talking Luke Whipler, but we also don't know what's going on behind the scenes with, with Luke Whipler personally. You know, maybe it was a a matter of let's get to the league as quickly as possible and let's start making making the money. Um, you know, there, there's there's a variety of reasons guys elect to go, not just yeah, this is the best time to go potentially. Uh, quickly, I think it's pretty obvious on on the two tackles. They were both ready to go. Paris Johnson walked in here to Ohio State and was expected to be a three-year guy, started for two years, and showed what he could do at multiple positions. Dewan Jones, I think, is the interesting one to me as we look forward to this next year's offensive line because he wasn't the he wasn't like a highly recruited guy. He was a guy who came through and was developed by Ohio State. He obviously had all the physical tools, was a basketball player predominantly in high school. And so I'm really interested to see how Ohio State can can take what they did with Dewan Jones. And obviously the coaching on the offensive line has changed a little bit, but evolve that into some of these other guys that you mentioned at the beginning of this, guys that are going to need to develop into positions. Who do you think are, are the potential guys that could maybe be that next to Juan Jones guys that in a couple of years we're talking about is, Oh, that could be a first round pick that maybe we didn't see coming when they first got here. Yeah. I don't know if Tegra, um, you know, qualifies because, you know, he was a big time recruit, but I, you know, Tegra Shabola is a guy that's going to be completely in the mix. And this guy that I, you know, the NFL scouts will eventually like um, if he takes care of his business, which I think he will, he seems like a serious dude. Uh, I don't know him all that well, but I got a chance to do a one-on-one interview with him when we were down there at the peach bowl a media day in Atlanta. And he seems like a serious dude to me. That's the first time I really got a chance to interview Tegra. And uh, I mean, he's, I mean, he's straight out of central casting for a right tackle, man. I mean, he's like six, six, three thirty, moves. Well, a uh, strong kid, naturally strong. And now he's going to be able to get in that Mickey Marotti strength program for a full year. Um, he's one to definitely keep an eye on. I like Carson Hensman a lot. This is going to be very telling. I mean, Luke Whipler, speaking of him, you know, as a retro freshman took over that job, we all thought it'd be Harry Miller. Um, we didn't know what was going on with Harry Miller at the time. We all know now. Um, but speaking from a football perspective, Luke Whipler as a retro freshman 
Um, even if he backed into that job, I mean, took the bull, took the ball and ran with it and played well. So if Carson Hensman is the starting center, can he play on that level or at least close to what Luke Whipler did? If he does, that's a, that's a good sign. Jacob James is out for the, you know, for the spring. He'll be in the mix as a fourth year player, but I tend to think it's going to be Carson Hensman. Even when Jacob James is healthy, I think I tend to think it's going to be Carson Hensman uh, or Vic Cutler. So I'll say, you know, Tegra is the one I'm really keeping a close eye on. And then uh, probably Carson Hensman as well. Vic Cutler is an interesting story because it's not like he transferred in from one of the power five conferences. He was playing at Louisiana Monroe last the last few seasons. And I, as you mentioned earlier, I got to talk to him earlier this week. I'll have a story on him maybe before this is even up on Bucknuts, if not shortly after, but he's a guy who has really kind of bet on himself with this situation he entered the transfer portal because he felt like he could do a little bit more than what he was doing he was surprised to hear from Justin Fry in Ohio State but was very excited this is a kid who grew up cheering for Michigan he was from Detroit originally though he's lived in Louisiana the last 11 years and you know he said he's all Buckeye now wouldn't use the Michigan name when I talked to him kept telling him the team up north so he's he's made the shift to the other side of of the rivalry but he said he is willing to do whatever they need him to do to play on this offensive line. That's his goal. Whether that be lineup at center, whether that be play tackle. Um, you know, he, he told me he didn't take football super seriously until really partway through high school when, when he started to realize that there was an opportunity here. And so he seems like a guy who can still develop quite a bit, especially now in the Ohio State facility. You mentioned Mickey Marotti earlier. But just working with with that strength staff, with, with all the stuff that Ohio State has at the Woody, things that he did not have access to at Louisiana Monroe, I think you know the, the sky's the limit for for a guy like that who's willing to put in the work. Now he's not the biggest guy; I think he's listed at about six three. So he, you know, is he your stereotypical tackle? No, but he did play it against Texas and Alabama last year, and said when he saw those two teams on the schedule, even in the off season. He put his full focus on making sure he was ready for for those two teams and playing his best game and, and whatnot. And so I asked him, okay, how do you then take that and make it an every week thing with the Buckeyes? And he said he pretty much has no other choice. If he wants to be successful at Ohio State, that's the approach he's going to have to take. So there's more to that interview that, that I'll have in the story, but I'm really interested to see where they use him because my initial impressions were, okay, he's going to be a guy who probably – develops for a year but Ryan Day mentioned him in the the competition for that center spot Dave do you think you can make that jump from the Sun Belt Conference to the Big Ten in one offseason absolutely um I, I do you know not that he's going to be a superstar but he could be very much like uh what Jonah Jackson was when he transferred I know Rutgers is in the Big Ten but it's a you know uh lower tier Big Ten uh, for sure and Jonah Jackson came in now, that was one year um you know Vic Cutler as you know has two years so I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Jonah Jackson, um, who actually was honorable mention all Big Ten before he transferred to Ohio State. Um, but yes, and you know, I like that Vic Cutler, even though he's six three, that he can play all five positions because six three, we look at that. Okay, you can't play tackle at six three, and I, and I agree with that. But like, let's not forget, he's not like it's not like he's five ten. Like uh, the Bengals, which is probably not the best example to use for offensive line. The Bengals starting offensive tackles this past season: Jonah Williams and Lyle Collins both six foot four. So we're not, we're not like talking like, so in a pinch, could he play left tackle? Yes. He has experience doing that. And you know, 
played relatively well. Now, they're bringing him here as an interior lineman, probably a center. I also love Patrick that there was no promises made to him, and he made that clear, and he's cool with it. He's like, great, I want to be a Buckeye. I want to come in here and compete, bet on myself. I bet he thinks he'll be a starter, and you want that attitude. Um, I think at the very, very, very worst, he'll be the sixth man uh, on that offensive line, a guy that can play all five positions, and it's going to be a really good battle. I mean, Carson Hensman um, was obviously the higher-rated recruit, but now – Vic Culler has a lot of snaps under his belt at the collegiate level, you know, and even if he was playing D3 football, that's still the collegiate level. Even though it was the Sun Belt, that's Division One, which I wish we still called it. That's still FBS football. Like, those are valuable reps. I mean, he's got three years under his belt playing like, you know, and against not just against Sun Belt teams, but against good teams, as you mentioned, like Texas and Alabama. So, well, against good teams like Alabama. Um, <laughs> sorry, any Texas fans that are probably not watching this. But no, I love the Vic Cutler get because at the very worst, it gives you a sixth man on the offensive line. And at the very best, I think he could be a decent starter this year. And then you have him for another year next year. So I think that was a really good get. Yeah, and I, I wrote about this last week. Justin Fry not backing down from the challenge of finding three new starters. You know, He called them, uh, he said, just makes them hungrier. The, the fact that they know that they're probably the biggest question mark uh, the biggest uncertainty on the offense, maybe the whole roster. Uh, I think you could debate that with some of the defensive questions. But, you know, this this offense has a lot of talent coming back, which includes these two quarterbacks. If the offensive line is right, they should be elite again. But he's got to get that. And he, he had no issue discussing that. I think we should also quickly talk about the two returning guys in Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones. Dave, just when you're already about to lose three guys, just how big is it to have two guys – who are going to stay at guard, at least for now. And as it was pointed out to Justin Fry, if they do stay at guard, you know, you'll have an inexperienced tackle, experienced guard, inexperienced, experienced. So you at least will have those those guys in between the inexperienced guys on the line. How big is it for, for Matthew Jones and Donovan Jackson to be back for the Buckeyes? Yeah, I mean, it, it is a nice luxury there. I mean, it's like we're talking about how bad it is Ohio State's losing like three starters and like not just three starters, but three guys that are going to be taken within the first three rounds of the NFL draft. But um, to have Matt Jones and Donovan Jackson is back is huge. Donovan Jackson to me is definitely a future NFL player. Um, you know, five-star recruit. I thought he played really well as a first-year starter this past season. And I think he's going to be really, really good as a left guard uh, as a junior. Now that he's got a full year of starting under his belt, played a lot as a true freshman is that in that jumbo package, as we mentioned. Um, and then Matt Jones coming back for a sixth year. I, I didn't necessarily see that coming. If you would have asked me beginning this year, not that I thought he was going to be a high NFL draft pick. I just thought, even though I knew he had an extra year because he registered and then the COVID year, I didn't think he'd be a guy that'd come back for a sixth year. Um, finally was a first uh, full-time starter last year. I think that's big for Ohio State because I think they're going to be able to at least figure something out, you know, at tackle as my dogs try to come back in here. The door's <laughs> open. You're allowed to come back in, Anna. Um, she's like scratching on the door like I have it closed. Um, so, um, so, yeah, I think, you know, you know, I kind of got off, off course here, but uh, no, having Donovan Jackson and Matt Jones back is absolutely huge for Ohio State. All right, let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball and the the, the defensive line specifically, staying inside the trenches there. David, it hasn't been the production that I think Buckeye fans were used to from the defensive line these last couple, few years. I think that there is something about Jim Knowles's defense where he's, he said it very clearly. It's a safety driven defense. It's about handling things as the defensive backs, which 
at times, obviously we didn't see last year. So I don't think you need to have as much talent, as much pressure up front as maybe you did in some of these defenses past that Ohio state's run, but it would still be nice to see that in production increase, especially as you've got guys like JT to Jack Sawyer, uh, you know, experienced guys now, guys on the interior as well. What are kind of your expectations for this defensive line, maybe in a general sense, and then we'll get more specific about certain guys as you ha- as they head into 2023? Yeah, it's hard to say because, you know, they, they've underperformed, you know, the last few years. And I don't know if that's a Larry Johnson thing. I don't know if you put that on the players. I think certain guys have been playing too many snaps. You know, and I realize I'm just like a, a guy that, you know, Larry Johnson has forgotten more football than I'll ever know. I, I get that. So I always, I always like a preface it with I love Larry Johnson and he's a legend. But like I do feel like um, he doesn't play his best guys enough. You know, Teron Vincent should not just have probably not led this team, the defensive tackles and snaps. But he definitely shouldn't have been like twice as much as anybody else. Now, in fairness to Larry Johnson, like Mike Hall was hurt. So who knows? about that but I thought Tyleek Williams should have played more Teron Vincent should have played less what are they doing with Jack Sawyer is Larry Johnson on the same page with Jim Knowles doesn't seem like they are on the same page Jim Knowles talking about things like starters are starters for a reason you know man yeah you got to keep guys fresh but starters are starters for a reason especially in big moments Patrick I'm not talking about like if you're up by like, like 30 in the third quarter where the game's not quite over yet but like you know, but I'm talking about like in big games, you know, I mean, Larry just rotates. It's always like, you know, it just seems a little bit too fire drillish to me. You know, it's like a little bit too much of a revolving door there where you got to play your best player. So what do I expect? Um, I expect JT Tumolo out to break out as a star this year. I don't know what to expect from Jack Sawyer. So far, I see him as not like a bust, like some people are calling him, but more on the Zach Harrison trajectory where, I mean, Zach Harrison's going to hear his name called in the draft. Zach Harrison was what a second team all big 10 player so listen there's middle ground everybody doesn't have to be a superstar or a bust but i do see jack sawyer more in that middle ground i hope i'm wrong i hope he is more superstar but i see jt tumolo breaking out this year and then i hope patrick that mike hall and tyleek williams are getting a ton of snaps at d tackle those guys need to play a lot and then rounding out the two deep ty hamilton of course but i want hero canoe playing a lot at d tackle is that you know on the two deep and then at defensive end, we need to see Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry and Amari Abor play. All three of those guys, especially I think Caden Curry and, and Kenyatta Jackson. I mean, nothing against Amari. I, I like Amari Abor too. I'm just saying Caden Curry, we've seen it. Kenyatta Jackson, I think, has an extremely high ceiling. You know, they've lost. They lost Javante Jean-Baptiste, who's going for a sixth year to Notre Dame. Zach Harrison. There, there's a lot of snaps available that were there last year. Zach Harrison played a ton of snaps. So, Obviously, JT Tumolo needs to be out there a lot. Uh, Jack Sawyer, we'll see. I want to see JT Tumolo out there like a ton, but I also want to see Caden Curry out there. See which one of those young guys emerge, and by the end of the season, one of those guys might be out there a vast majority of the time. So, what do I expect? I expect a very good defensive line, but gotta be honest, I won't be surprised if I'm underwhelmed because it feels like the last few years I've gone into the season thinking this is what I expect out of the defensive line. And it hasn't done that. 2019, I remember going into the season saying, this is going to be a great defensive line, and it was. Okay? So, like, the last three years, it's underachieved in my opinion. Can 2023 be different? We'll find out. They have the talent. I think the, the some of the points you brought up between Larry Johnson and Jim Knowles are really interesting because you brought it – Ryan Day brought in Jim Knowles 
to run this defense, called it being the head coach of the defense. And you'd think that you'd want to match that. And obviously they did in the secondary. They brought in after they'd hired Jim Knowles, Tim Walton and Perry Eliano. So I, I, I feel like the disconnect between the potential disconnect between Larry Johnson and Jim Knowles is something they probably should have addressed when they were making this hire. And now you're going into year two and it's, it's still being questioned. And like the biggest thing for me, Larry Johnson, when we, we talked to the coaches in early February, just over a month ago, Larry Johnson was like, Jack Sawyer should be in the defensive end room. I want him, you know, playing defensive end. That's what he was recruited to play. And, you know, maybe you could have a linebacker play that, that Jack position. And then you asked Jim Knowles about it. Somebody asked Jim Knowles about it and you got kind of the opposite answer. And, you know, who knows what, you know, maybe they just didn't want to say one guy didn't want to say something publicly and maybe they're, they're doing something else behind closed doors. Maybe they're like we'll 20 them. feet away from each other, they they didn't know it, but they were like being asked the same question about 20 feet apart. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was, that was the, you know, obviously there wasn't something right in terms of production, but that to me was like, you know, what, what's happening here? Why are these two not mm-hmm. in lockstep when talking about a player like Jack Sawyer, who I still think can do a lot for this team. I think maybe the Jack role wasn't the right decision for him last year. So maybe putting him at a, a true defensive end, letting him do what he did best in high school it seems to me to make sense, but I also understand this is Jim Knowles' defense. So I will be very interested to see how these two kind of mesh their their ideas if they do this season. Um, and, and Mike Hall is the other one that, that stands out to me as, look, if, if this kid had been healthy this past year, I mean, the Michigan State game is the one that, that I think of when I think about Mike Hall. He played, what, like 12 snaps in that game and had three and a half sacks or so. Yeah, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was – it was crazy impressive. And then, you know, just to not be able to get on the field as much as he would have liked, you got to hope for, for his sake and for the Buckeyes sake, he can be healthy and, and play a full season. Because I do think he's a guy, he's kind of a missing piece in that interior of the defensive line that could really change some things. And, you know, you saw it in small sample size. I thought we were going to see it more against Georgia. He talked the talk of, of being healthy, but then again, so did Mayan Williams and we barely saw him. So Maybe we shouldn't just believe players when they say they're gonna they're back and, and ready to go. But I I think he could be a, a game changing type of guy in the interior of the defensive line. I really do too. I mean, we had uh, Kevin Wilson, who's now gone. Was it call him Ron Wilson on, on Bucknuts? A little inside joke there. But um, uh, he said during spring last year because they were like at times Mike Hall would rep with the third team, and he goes. Kevin Wilson, I almost called him Ron. Kevin Wilson goes, that's the best third-team defensive tackle in football history right there. As Scooby comes back in. At least. Um, so, excuse me, but my dogs are uh, – they're being puppies. They're just being dogs. I'm not going to apologize. They're awesome. All right, anyway, so, yeah, so Mike Hall can be an absolute wrecker. You know, he's um, a guy like – I'm not going to say Aaron Donald, your boy. I'll, I'll compare him more to a Geno Atkins who, like, was, you know, still really, really, really good. You know, those – as you guys know what I'm talking about, those like six foot tall, like 300 pound, you know, defensive tackles that are extremely strong, but move like they're an outside linebacker. That's my call. And yeah, the only thing that hurt him last year, I can't remember what game it was. It was one of those early games. It was like Toledo or something like that. Where you heard that shoulder. And you could even see it because he got pulled and you're thinking, oh man, I hope that's nothing. And then he downplayed it. all. They, they downplayed it all year, but oh man, but then his snaps went down. Man, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a stud. And then you pair him with Tyleek, 
now in his junior year, hopefully getting the right amount of snaps. I think they can be really good at defensive tackle if they stay healthy. And again, Hero Canoe, hopefully is a redshirt freshman. I believe he's technically a redshirt freshman. I don't know if he played more for, more than four games or not. Second-year player, Hero Canoe. I like him. And then Ty Hamilton's going to play but um, and play a decent amount. But I think Larry Johnson needs to play um, those two main guys, Ty – or excuse me, Mike Hall – and then uh, Tyleek Williams as much as possible. Before uh, we, we end this conversation on the defensive line, I do want to touch on this Jack position because this was something we were talking about a lot last offseason, and we saw it for the first time a little bit in spring. Um, you know, we'd heard about Jack Sawyer. Mitchell Melton was a guy who was mentioned as, as a guy who could play that. He tore his ACL in the spring game. How do you think they can best use this? Do, do they even need a position like this? I know at Oklahoma State, it worked out really well, but you're Ohio State. Do, do you need this hybrid role, or do, can you just use the guys you have? I mean, what, what's just kind of your vantage point on the Jack position and what it can be for the Buffalo? Yeah, I think it's something that they should mix in if they feel like they, they need to and they want to. Like, I don't think it needs to be a staple um, I think it need, they need to be multiple, and that's supposed to be Jim Knowles' calling card is he's going to mix things up, keep you guessing. Um, you don't need a Jack on every play, a Leo, whatever they want to call it. And then, you know, is Jack Sawyer best suited for that? Maybe not. You know, maybe it is. I, I tend to agree with, with people who tend to think that um, Jack Sawyer's best put his hand in the ground and, and get off the edge, go after the quarterback, or it's a running play, you know, seal the edge, go after the running back, whatever it might be, be it just a traditional defensive end. And, yeah, I think Mitchell Melton was in line to be, if not the starting Jack, to play a lot last year if he didn't get hurt. Now, you could say, well, now he's going to be back healthy. Well, now he's had two major injuries, right. right? So, like, it's like every year we go in with guys like, you know, Court Williams, for example, at safety. It's like, man, if he can stay healthy. But he's had so many, like, serious injuries, you feel terrible for the kid. Is he, like, now on the Cam Bab trail where, like, everybody loves him? If he's healthy, everybody knows he would ball out. Um, but he's just had so many like bad, so much bad luck. Like, what's going to happen there? So, we'll see what happens. But um, you know, at you know, with Mitchell Melton, I'm on wait and see. If he's healthy, I've heard nothing but great things about him. You know what, Patrick? I think Caden Curry could be a guy that plays there if they determine that. Listen, we're going to play JT Tumalau a lot, which they should. Don't get him off the field unless he's gassed, which is what I am <laughs> preaching about. Um, and then say Jack Sawyer steps up is that other one? They, they okay? We like these two, so Caden's not going to get that many reps at DN. Because one thing I'll say about, like, breaking up snaps, that needs to be Ryan Day's call or Jim Knowles. If, if Larry Johnson's doing something that Ryan Day doesn't want or Jim Knowles doesn't want, then they need to step in and say, no, this is how we're doing it. So if Larry Johnson's rotating too many guys, that's actually on Ryan Day or Jim Knowles. Um, but, yeah, I think Caden Curry is a guy that if he's not, you know, a starting defensive end or not playing a lot at defensive end, maybe he's that guy if they use the jack that can play that role. I like him a lot. I like Caden Curry a lot. Maybe Kenyatta Jackson can do it. Maybe Sonny Styles can do it. CJ Hicks. They've got dudes. Everybody's like, well, they don't, you know, they don't have a lot. They've got five-star guys all over this defense. I mean, JT Tumolau, five-star, Jack Sawyer, five-star, CJ Hicks, five-star, Sonny Styles, five-star. Let's quit acting like this is a bunch of three-star guys and then a bunch of four-stars as well. So let's go. So those are some of the guys. I don't know if Sonny Styles is going to be the Jack this year, but uh, those are some of the guys that could be in the mix. Yeah, I do think it's interesting because a guy like C.J. Hicks, a guy like Sonny Styles, especially C.J. Hicks, where like there's not a clear p- position for him to compete for with Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers coming back. So like 
you got to get this kid on the field. I mean, he's too talented to sit. He only played special teams last year. And I, I know we're going away from defensive line a little bit, but he's just too talented for me to not be on the field to help this defense next year. Uh, I, same with Sonny Styles, though I think there is a bit more opening with Ronnie Hickman leaving in terms of where he could potentially slot in at safety. Um, so, yeah, I do, I do think they've got guys. It's just a matter of being creative, figuring out where to put them uh, and, you know, how they fit into that. But, Dave, thank you for coming on, joining the happy hour. Thank you, dogs, for joining the happy hour. Uh, I do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, that was, I think that was some good Buckeye football chat there. That was fun. And then, yeah, I mean, spring ball kicks off on Tuesday. We'll be yeah. out there. Good seeing a lot of the people. I, I It's funny, like, with doing these podcasts, like, I recognize, like, almost all of these names, you know, that are in here, like, commenting. It's really cool, like, this community that we've built with, uh, you know, Buckeye podcasting and stuff. So I appreciate you having me on your podcast. I've had you on my podcast many, many times. This is not my first time on your podcast, but thank you for having me on and ha have fun with the Timmy Hall. Yeah, Tim's going to stop by here shortly. We're going to talk some hoops. His hair looks great, by the way. Yeah, mine he's, gone through, he's gone through all the different stages. He's gone through like the really where it's like really spiked up, like big, you know. Then he's gone through the like kind of like almost like a like a like a bigger version of what Mark Pantone does, where it's like short in the front, like you know, but like grows up a little bit in the middle. Now he's kind of doing like a little bit of the slicked back look. I think he's found his best look. We'll see what right. the what the commenters think when Timmy yeah. Hall comes on. Ask him about his hair. It'll make him happy, and I think it looks good. So, All thank right. you, Bucknutters. I will pass Appreciate that along. Patrick. Yes, his, his, his hair's looking good. All right, that was Dave Biddle from uh, our side at Bucknuts and 247 Sports. Thanks again for Dave coming on. Always brings good insight, and I think it's a little unfortunate that on the BM5, he uh, you know he's usually hosting it, so he doesn't always get to give his opinions on things. That's why I like to have Dave on, because he does provide – some really good insight. And if, if you missed any of that, we were touching on Ohio State's offensive line where they're going to have to replace the three starters. Not going to be an easy job there. Defensive line as well. You still have to replace some starters, but I think you're a bit more confident, at least right now, before we get into spring ball, about some of the guys on the defensive line. As Dave and I touched on, it's more about the, the chemistry between Larry Johnson, Jim Knowles, how that's all going to work, where guys are going to fit is, is the big thing. So as I mentioned, we're going to transition here in the kind of second half, second, third, or third, final third of this podcast into some Buckeye hoop stock because this team is, has, has been an enigma most of this year. Well, just bad most of this year, but all of a sudden, they have put together back-to-back -to -back wins against two solid Big Ten teams. They beat Illinois on Sunday at home, and then last on last night, we're recording this on, on Thursday afternoon, so on Wednesday night, they beat Maryland at home, and that was the final home game. I wrote about how the seniors kind of kick-started, uh, set the tone, so to speak, on their senior night, Justice Suing, Sean McNeil, Isaac Likely, uh, interestingly, these seniors, none of them started their career at Ohio State. Now, just assuming was here for four years in total, only played really in two. But a weird kind of senior night when you have a group of guys that, that you know, didn't weren't recruited initially by Ohio State, didn't commit to Ohio State. And then two of them, likely in McNeil, only played one year. But 
they were able, all three of them started, were able to get things going for the Buckeyes off the, out of the, off the jump, I should say, last night against, uh, against Maryland. And Buckeyes rolled. I mean, it, you know, Maryland fought, but Ohio State was able, as Chris Holtman put it, to, to kind of keep them at uh, a distance throughout the game, responded to, to every push. And this was a Maryland team who really blitzed the Buckeyes start of the second half when they played down in College Park, uh, you know, in, in January. So I will be interested to hear what Timmy thinks about this team, but I'll give you my thoughts while we wait for him to, to pop on here. The, the end of season Buckeyes, these last two games, is what I expected this team to look like throughout the year, and it just never did until these final two games. And, you know, you, you look at last night's game, for instance, you've got the, the, the scoring distributed fairly evenly across the board, all five starters scoring in double figures. You had, I think, at least six guys. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six with Bryce Sensabaugh coming off the bench, scoring at least 10 points. The Buckeyes talked at the beginning of the year how they wanted to be a team that, or they thought they were a team that could do something like this, where there wouldn't be a go-to scorer every night. You wouldn't know who that guy was going to be. Now, Bryce Sensabaugh emerged as that guy, but he has struggled at times as defenses have really cued on him, keyed on him, I should say. Uh, it, it hasn't been as easy for him in Big Ten play to score, um, especially the, the latter half here. So this game was was much more efficient. Ohio State shot 48% from the field, 35.7% from three-point range, made all 20 of their free throws, which is a, a program record. This is what I expected to see from the Buckeyes. I didn't expect it to be great every night. I didn't expect this team to be you know, a, a consistent top 15 team. But to me, it was, okay, the, the senior guys, the, the elder guys who have played, how do they set the tone for these young freshmen, talented, but, but still a little raw. And that was, that was how I think it, a lot of games played out in the non-conference. And then you saw the emergence of Bryce Sensabaugh, and, and they could just never find that again, really, once they lost that game to Purdue. So it's, it's interesting to see this kind of like reform, um, probably too little too late, only, you know, winning two games in a row here. But certainly you, you, you like to see at least something come out of it. And uh, our guy, Timmy Hall, has, uh, has popped on. Hey, Timmy. Hey, can you hear me, Patrick? You sound fantastic. All right, good. Trying to get that that ugly bright light out of the frame. There we go. Look at that, a radio. I'm not even using this, huh? It's, it's not even necessary. All right, real quick before we get into go back to the hoops talk. Mm-hmm. Or Biddle hopped off here. He was talking about your your variations of hairstyles over the last few years. He thinks this is your what should be your go-to. Uh, do you think you found your ideal hairstyle? No, we're still going. That's the whole still point going. of this. You see, I, I'm not, I'm not really quite sure what the end game is or how this goes. I originally started to grow it out in the pandemic when everybody was sort of trying new things in life, right? So I kind of jumped on board with a couple things. I always have have been curious and wondered what it would be like. Like, what would, what would Castaway me look like? Like, clearly for everyone, there has to be a point where you you don't cut your hair for so long, it eventually has to fall down a little bit right yeah. like some people have thicker like i have thicker poofier wavier hair so usually 
you know, if I go like the four to six months, which is a long, long time without getting a haircut, it would just continue to grow out. But what if I push through that awkward phase? What if I get through that time and then go upwards of like eight months to a year? Will it actually become shoulder length? Will we have like a Dave Grohl Foo Fighters situation? I don't know. I don't even know if it's going to get to that, but I've even gotten it trimmed, like trimming behind the ears or trimming the back up a little bit so it it looks okay while you're growing it. I've just I, I figured I would try something and and see how the look goes. I don't know. You you like it? It's all right. I do like it. I uh, I usually keep my hair very short, as you know. The pandemic saw me grow out my hair, but it was the beard that everyone noticed, which was down to a you know about here. Um, I have not cut my hair in a while just because it's been cold out and usually i just buzz my girlfriend buzzes my hair in the backyard because it's wow in the backyard not even the bathroom nope we just go in the backyard i sweep it up when we're done usually there's not that much because i just keep it really short i thought this was a big 10 country show not an sec country show well that's the problem the hillbillies there it's been too cold so uh you see biddle in here this is what he's talking about with uh he wants to see castaway timmy hall uh yeah, so I don't know. I've grown my problem is I don't know what to do with it once it gets too long where I can't just like get out of bed and have it be right. Moving. So right. I ran some water through it today, but I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know how to handle longer hair anymore. I'm I'm using a a leave-in conditioner now. It's a lot. It's a lot that's going into this. I can get maybe uh remember when Conan O'Brien's hair was to a point where he could just like literally do things with it during the show yeah and uh, get the crazy hair i can i can kind of go along with that kind of at that stage of it right now but we'll see we'll see i think i you know my i think i have my mother's hair like i see the way her hair is and she's got more of the wavier she doesn't have super long hair but it's uh i kind of have that style so thanks ma appreciate the hair there you go well, let's get back to Buckeye Hoops talk because that's what you're really here for. I was just saying before you popped in to the happy hour that, look, this is these last two games have looked a lot more like what I expected this team, especially last night with the balanced scoring and the upperclassmen kind of setting the tone. Um, what have you made of these two wins? Because it's probably, as I said right as you jumped in, I think, it's probably too little too late, but college basketball with the nature of, of postseason play, Hot teams can make a run. We've seen it. I mean, I don't expect this team to go through and win the Big Ten tournament, but you'd like to be playing better at the end of the season, right? And and we've seen probably two of the best games this team's played in 2023, these last two. So so what do you make of this kind of late season surge that they've had? Well, you know, two things here, Patrick. And I was I've been saying this on the show recently and and reiterated it. Uh, reiterated this on the postgame show last night is you don't really get any credit for just continuing to lose games in college sports, right? That no. doesn't do you any good. No draft there's, picks. There's no draft picks, right? There's no tanking. If anything, the worse you play, the worse it's going to be for you in the offseason because that this is a sport where you have to recruit. So your reputation matters. And uh, you know, limping to the finish line after you already had a ridiculously bad stretch does nobody any good. And as you said there, I'm, I'm not going to jump on board and, and thinking that they can you know ride some kind of magical run. I will need to see two wins 
in the Big Ten tournament before I even start to think that. Like, I'll need to wake up on Friday and the Buckeyes will have to be playing before I start, you know, clapping my hands and saying, oh boy, like they don't want to see the Buckeyes today, right? Like, it's it's a ways before we get there. But they beat two NCAA tournament teams. Can we just give them credit for not packing up the tent and going home and feeling bad about themselves, feeling sorry about things? They have chosen to go to work here. They have chosen to play for each other, to play for themselves as basketball players, as competitors, to go out and beat the guys that are in front of them. So, you know, I think for all of us who loved basketball as kids growing up and remember just playing even on the playground or whatever level, there's something cool about that. And they closed the home gym the right way, won their last two games at the Schottenstein Center. It had been a pretty miserable year there. We didn't get very many great games anyway, and the schedule didn't fit to where uh, we've seen it work better in the past. So I like how they did that. And I was also looking for something other than Bruce Thornton to sort of spark here down the stretch. And we saw that now with Felix Okpara. So there's another guy, you know, Roddy Gale, we've mentioned him a couple times, guys that we see as being here for a while while developing. But Felix Okpara, I think, is starting to show people some bigger things. And I, I also, man, are you convinced that Bryce Sensabaugh is done here? I, that was I was going to ask you that because I said the same thing about Malachi Branham last year. I didn't think his game was was well rounded enough for the NBA. If you've watched Malachi Branham play for the very terrible Spurs, you'll see that I was really wrong about that because he he's one of the best things that they've got going for him. But to me, Bryce isn't even that level right now. Um, he can score, but. You know, last night, I mean, post-game, Chris Holtman said he thought this was one of his best games. He was 4 of 11 from the floor and 0 of 4 from 3. Now, he did get 12 points, 7 rebounds. I did think he played more in the flow of the offense, but you got to you gotta play defense. I mean, I know they say the NBA is, you know, they don't play defense, but they do. And I just, do. I just don't think there's enough to his game yet other than scoring. And I think you've seen there are ways to slow him down, to frustrate him. Um, you know, he's got a lot of ability putting the the ball on the court and, you know, driving. But, like, his numbers, I don't have them in front of me recently, but scoring at the basket is really low. He was second worst on the team last time I checked. So he's made up for that most of this year with good mid-range game, some really good three-point shooting. But, you know, to me, this is a guy who could be a high lottery pick with another year. And, and we actually had a story on our site. It was one of the, one of the national basketball writers wrote about how you know he could bet on himself and come back next year. Not suggesting that he would, just saying how this could play out right. if he did. And, and I thought there were some good points. And, and people can go read that. It was by Adam Finkelstein. It, to to me, you know, I I'm always towards coming back in in college basketball unless you are that elite, you know, Greg Oden, Mike Conley, guys like that. But um, I know guys don't do that. I I would think he I would think you have to at least consider it. Sure, he's going to test the waters, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would think he's con- got to consider coming back with the way the season has ended. I'm still going to lean. I, I think I'm still like 80 20 that he's gone, Patrick. But I guess, I guess the, point, the, the point to make there is I didn't really talk about this much on the post game show. It was more focused on the future of the team, and the fact that they've won these last two games. Let's keep it simple and 
maybe avoid the bigger picture, big, you know, season long topics, because we've we've come to grips with that. I mean, they were so bad for so long that we came to terms with that. They're okay, eight, nine games under 500. It's going to be an under 500 season. No one likes that. That's really bad. But we already understood that. So let's just talk about these wins and keep it that way. But I didn't really focus much on the part that that very well could have been Bryce Sensabaugh's last game in front of home fans in a Buckeye yeah. uniform. And I think the, the way the season has gone is a reason for that, where if you're going to have a one and done and you're going to have a guy like D'Angelo Russell who just paces the team and is clearly that best guy, and he's a superstar player that's getting national recognition, and he was scoring more than than Bryce. Like, let's be honest. Like, that guy was fixing to be a top three pick. There's a difference there, and the team was – a lock to make the NCAA tournament. And they won a game in the NCAA tournament. Didn't go to the Sweet 16, and that's something. And even Malachi last year, he the way that he was – Go I mean, ahead. What would you say? He carried them to the NCAA tournament. And to that – you know, that's how good Russell was. You know, if, if you're Bryce, he hasn't done that. Agreed. So there's that difference with D'Angelo. And even the difference with Malachi is also you had a team that was a lock to go to the NCAA tournament, even though they kind of did tarnish their seed in those last four to six games in Big Ten play. And that was a problem, which is some things we've seen with, with Holtman teams here. But you had EJ and you still had a you still had a tournament team and a team that went to the second round and won there with Bryce. It, it, it's tough for what your legacy or your, the, the memory will be of a player as far as the college team is concerned when you're a one and done and that season that you had was one that's completely forgettable. No one really wants to remember 2022-23 Ohio State basketball. Hopefully it just gets marked down as a rebuild year and things get right back to a certain type of level. And then, to be honest, they go above the level that they have been at. But that's why. And, you know, you're right. It's not a done deal. You said you'd be leaning towards coming back because of, you know, where where this is going and how he's a fringe first rounder and not a consensus for everybody that studies these things. What my worry is, is we've seen a lot of guys in this program, whether they were coming after their freshman seasons or not, not be thought of as first round picks. Some of them weren't even thought of as as NBA guys. But dudes have still left eligibility on the table and passed on what could have been a really fun, really built-looking Ohio State basketball season have they, had they stayed, and they went on and did their own things. I think of Caleb Wesson, if he came back, that would have been the – what year would that have been if Caleb had come back? Because he left a year of eligibility on the table, and that would have been, I think, a, a EJ Liddell team. And would would have mixed him with that. That could have been something to have that veteran, uh, that veteran presence on on the front line there. LaQuentin Ross didn't come back and and use a year where the NBA was not in his future. So I, I would just, I would still think that that Bryce would be gone, but you're right. Not a done deal, but to me, he'd still be going to the NBA draft. Yeah. To clarify Look, I think he goes because I think most guys go, as you, as you made the point. I just think there's there's an argument, especially recently. You know, if he'd continued to score, if he was still – I think at one point he was the third top-scoring freshman in the country. And if he'd continued to do that when he was being talked about as a lottery pick, hard to argue. Um, I do think, to your point, like, this team 
when they were envisioning this team, the coaching staff, I mean, they envisioned it with Malachi Branham being here and being a part of it. And then Malachi obviously explodes in the second half of last year. And, and that, you know, plans change in college sports all the time, but then you've got to readjust. Now Bryce is in a bigger role in that position. And, and now he has to step up, you know, does that cost them again? So to speak, I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you look to next year, if you were to add Bryce Sensabaugh to that group of the returning freshmen, that'll be sophomores and the freshmen coming in. Okay. Now that's, that's a pretty interesting team. And you know, you're, if you, he does leave as we kind of are, are alluding to, how do you replace, where do you replace Bryce? You got to go to the portal again and, and hope something works out because let's be honest, they haven't actually hit on a ton of portal guys so far. So I think his decision is is pretty big in terms of what's going to happen down the road here. Uh-oh. Are you there? Are we stable again? Good. Anyway, sorry about that. Um let me let's let's talk just about Patrick has your internet. Can you hear me? There we go. Are you stable? You got it? Nope. Well, guys, I don't know if you can uh, if you can hear me. My video is showing pretty clear when he's talking about next year for Ohio State basketball and especially Bryce. Like, yes, if he's going to be gone, you're going to need a bucket getter and you know, Bruce Thornton is great to have. You can't expect Roddy Gale to take that kind of step next year with losing Justice Suing, losing Sean McNeil, guys that can shoot. You absolutely do have to go into the portal and, and, and play that game again. That's a year-to-year thing, too. And I haven't looked at some of the guys that are going to become available around college basketball, but I will as we approach the offseason once we get there and find out everybody that's going to be in it. But you also look at these true freshmen and look like you're going to need – Scotty Middleton, Tazon Chapman, Devin Royal. One of those three guys is going to wind up, and probably Devin Royal, the, the dude from Pick Central right here in Central Ohio. He is is so good, and I think fans will be excited to have a local product here like when we had the Wesson Twins. So I think he could be somebody that could provide some offensive lift. It might be more of a platoon style where you don't have, if it's not going to be Bruce Thornton and we're considering Bryce to be gone, it might not be the guy that's going to average 17 or 18 a game, but you might have a lot of guys that can get into that low double figures. And we're also forgetting to mention Zed. I, I'm i not going to be banking on it as much as I did going into this year because I was kind of out there. I, I went out on a limb, and I, I thought Zed was going to have a marvelous season. I thought I was hearing the right things and seeing the right things in the offseason. And even before the injury, I'll, I'll take that one. I did not see the kind of development that I wanted from a guy that was going to get a bulk of the minutes starting as a, you know, four or a five for this basketball team. And outside of a couple of those games, I really saw a guy that was, you know, low double figure scoring and maybe hitting that eight, nine rebound mark. I'd love, I'd love to see more 18, 19, 20 point games and 14, 15 rebound games when uh, we get him at, at their peak. But if we're going to see some uh, Zed and Felix on the court at the same time, I'll allow him his chances to develop again. Even coming off of the injury, it's going to be a smaller offseason. But, Pat, yeah, just talking about some of those things you you mentioned, what it could look like next year. And you're right. If Bryce – and 
you could throw up John's statement up there. John says, I think he should absolutely come back. He could be a top 10 pick if he has another year of development. I agree with you, John. Talk if about I that. learn, if it were me and I learn that I'm really a late first round pick, like I'd have to get lucky for a team to take a stab on me at say 25 through 30 and more likely than not, I'm a second early to mid round second round pick. I would come back because I, I do. I think if I can show people, I work on my body a little bit, conditioning. He's already got a nice six foot six, big bodied frame. If I can rebound better, show that intensity that I care enough on the defensive end and just go nuts as an offensive player because he really could be a 20 to 22 point per game guy if he came back. And then, yes, you're talking lottery pick. So I, I get some NIL and then I go and get a major paycheck. Obviously, I'll take that insurance policy in case, you know, something to secure me for major injury. But I just I wouldn't be thinking that way. I'm a basketball player. I'm not thinking about the big injury. I'm thinking about what's best for my development, what's best for my overall future. And I would be taking a serious look at that. I just don't know if that's how everybody thinks <laughs> who's who's there to get, you know, some kind of money and with G League options, other professional avenues that you can take. But I would like to stay in the same place with the same coaching, with the same teammates that I have and try to build, do something better. So I think college basketball is still fun. I'm one of those rare ones. And missing out on the NCAA tournament in my one year in college hoops would not be something that I could go to sleep at night being good with. I, I can't be that good and go to college basketball and not have a trip to the big dance. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I think that would be tough if you're Bryce to, to not play in that. But we've seen guys do it before. Let me ask you this to close out, Tim, and, and I apologize to the internet. I think my dog ran into the router there. Um, <laughs> do, uh, this is the problem of doing these things from home. Um, do you think that this, let's say Ohio State wins, you know, wh whether they win on Saturday against Michigan State, but at least gets a game in the Big Ten tournament. So they win three out of four to end the season. Uh, well, I guess it would be three out of five. But do you think that can carry over with the guys that do return to help spark things for next year can can this even though it may Definitely. not affect them this year could it help next year in your eyes you got to believe that right i mean what bruce thornton has done already in these last couple of games how does how does that not carry over into next year what felix okpara just did in this most recent game i mean the dude was borderline dominating out there as much as a true freshman big who's had so limited such limited minutes up into this point that's as good a game as you could possibly hope for I mean the guy had 12 and 12 in three blocks and as I tweeted the, the the dad in me says don't just focus on the blocks focus on the shots that he altered right how many different shots did he affect how many guys didn't even shoot the ball because Felix Okpara was playing defense in there and one of those defensive possessions late I don't remember if it was Jameer Young or Dante Scott or, or uh, Martinez who had a good game drove into the paint and then didn't get a shot up because I think he freaked out because Felix was there and he the ball got slapped away or he lost the handle on it and it was a steal and Ohio State was taking the ball the other way so I, I do believe that, man, if they can just take this practice time that they have and be serious about it, which the coaching staff has told us they've been doing, even when they were still losing games and they lost that close one to Penn State, they had liked the way that they have been dedicating themselves in practice. And if they go out there and 
they take down Michigan State on the road at the Breslin Center, another tournament team in their senior day. They win a game or two in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm not going to all of a sudden be happy about the way the season went, but playing better late will leave you with a better taste in your mouth as you go to the offseason. Simple as that. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, look, that they could have just, as you said earlier, you know, it's possible this team had could have rolled over and, and just rolled this season out the rest of the way and gotten done with it. But there was some fight from these guys, especially the upperclassmen. Justice Suing said it last night about wanting to, to you know, leave this place better than, than they probably have these last few weeks. So appreciate that. Yeah. I also appreciate you, Tim, taking your time to join the happy hour again. I didn't do it the last couple of weeks, so it was good to be back. Had some other stuff going on. So, so thank you very much for hopping on, talking some hoops with us. It's good to see you, Patrick, and thanks for all the fans who – check this out i appreciate all the hoops fans and the people that are passionate about ohio state basketball because i i certainly think it should be a a school where we we give a flip about hoops as much as we do with football because look it needs to be better i'm i'm on that side of it it needs to be better it should be better and you know i i hope i hope it's going that way i do i just i like to watch basketball being played the right way and when it goes the way that it went the last two games, that's kind of nice. Like, that's what – it's about consistency. We know that. So, winning two games doesn't solve all the problems. But play better down the stretch, and then we're going to evaluate next season the way that we have to evaluate it. It's It's got to be a lot better for Chris Holman. And we all kind of understand what Gene Smith had said and whether you guys – agree, whether you all agree with it or not. That's, that's the situation contractually. So – Hopefully uh, they do a whole lot better next year than they did this season. Yeah, much more fun to cover when they're winning than when we're talking about loss after loss after loss. Mm, no doubt, man. I'm still going to enjoy the tournament. I sure. know like, I've got, I'm, you know, I went to school somewhere else, so I've got some dogs in the fight and family connections and all that who have their schools. It's fun to just hop on board. And, and the fact that Columbus – has first and second rounds. Yeah, guys, like get get pumped up about that in your town. If you're wa- if you're one of these, uh, if you're watching this and viewing this or listening to this, and you're local in Central Ohio, you got basketball at Nationwide Arena, and it's awesome. And the tournament is still the tournament; it sells itself. Absolutely. Again, thank you, Tim. Um, if you want to hear more from Tim, Buckeye Show ninety seven one The Fan. He occasionally lets me talk to him on there, so I appreciate that. But. Thank you again for jumping on the happy hour. Yeah, buddy. And uh, we'll see you for some beers and Buckeyes tomorrow on a Friday. Right. It's it's really a matter of whether you're going to be there or not at this point. I will. I will. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you then. See you, man. Thanks again for Tim Hall for hopping on. Uh, he is a hoops fanatic. And so, you know, he can talk some football too, as we've seen on the happy hour already this, uh, well, this first kind of season. Uh, we've been doing this, but Tim loves some hoops. So in case you miss anything from this, if, if you hopped in live late, we, we talked football at the beginning, Buckeye football, which will start spring practice next week. The offensive line, defensive line were where Dave Biddle and I focused our talk. A lot of good stuff there. And, and you know, some questions we hope to have some answers to as we make it through spring practice. And then Timmy and I talked some hoops and just kind of how potentially these two wins these last two games could help this team 
neither of us think they're going to make a crazy run and get to the NCAA tournament, but potentially beyond that. Plus, you know, you just have some, some better feelings heading into the off season. I'm going to wrap this one up. This was uh, another long episode of the Bucknuts happy hour, a full hour plus. So I thank anyone who tuned in live and uh, watch this. If you're listening after the fact, we appreciate that too. Please like subscribe, all that good stuff. If you are not already, please follow Bucknuts247 on Twitter. I'm at underscore Pat underscore Murphy. You can find both those on Instagram as well. I appreciate all the support, and uh, we we try and do some good work for you guys. So cheers, Buckeye fans. Hope you have a good weekend. And uh, Buckeye basketball Saturday, NFL Combine going on right now. Steve Hellwagon is out there for uh, us covering that, so plenty of coverage. Stay tuned to that because there are eight Buckeyes there hoping to improve their draft stock. So a lot of of stuff going on here as we enter spring. Cheers. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.